This is it, the ultimate wellness show just for you. Wellness for Life Radio with Dr. Suzanne Bennett. Some of my patients come into my office on an animal-free diet due to environmental or religious reasons, or they may just feel better on a plant-based diet, and I am all for that. As long as you get plenty of essential amino acids, vitamin B supplements, and essential fatty acids, I believe plant-based diets are great for the environment. And it's great for the robust gut microbiome, cardiovascular system, and keeping you physically fit and more. Today, we have Nadia Pinavaya. She's a culinary nutritionist and founder of Plantable, a wellness platform that puts you in charge of your relationship with food. She believes that a plant-powered diet can power up your life. Love that. Welcome, Nadia. (laughs) Hello, Suzanne. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be on your show. Love talking to chefs because you have a different approach to food. It's more than just nourishment. You take into consideration the taste and presentation. So let's talk about your journey and how you discovered plant power. Yes, thank you, Suzanne. Well, my journey started off um, with, um, actually, I don't come from a culinary background, but it started off with with science and finance. So I have a PhD in, in chemistry, and I actually grew up my career within within finance. And as you can probably tell by my accent, I'm not born and bred in the States, but I'm actually Italian and grew up in the UK. And the uh, catalyst behind Plantable really started about five years ago. And it started with uh, yet another instance of of cancer in the family. Um, I unfortunately lost both my parents at a young age. My father died of an aneurysm. My mother died of breast cancer. And we have breast cancer in the family. And so my mother-in-law, whom I'm very close to, was diagnosed with stage 3B kidney cancer. And with that, really to try and do something to be useful and, and, and empower, um, if there was anything I could do to go alongside the chemotherapy, I started to read about um, lifestyle and the impact that it has on cancer. And I picked up a book by Dr. Servan Schreiber, The Anti-Cancer Diet. And that was really my first learning into how today's modern diet provokes inflammation, which is... Um, weakening our immune system and our immune system is constantly staving off cancer cell growth um, and is lifestyle factors with diet being the most important can be responsible for up to 50% of all cancers today and who knew you know up until then I lived in that world of we've just got to be mindful of not eating too many calories but it was really an awakening and at the same time I learned on the other side of just how dependent we've become, you know, literally dependent on sugar, on the refined grains, on processed foods, and how it's actually hard to 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 put them aside because the brain keeps calling them and, and wanting them and actually makes us hungry. And so as I kind of looked at this, I thought, well, there has to be an easier way. How can we create a program where it makes it easier to switch into eating in a different way, not eating less, but just eating real food, nutrient-dense food. And that was what I um, ended up putting together. So it's a program of meals. So you're doing the heavy lifting, as you said, it tastes delicious. You know, it's important that food tastes good. It's a passion. But there's also a program to help people make the changes that we need because we all know that change is hard. Well, I know that you created this thinking, you know, about your family and helping them with their struggles and challenges of cancers. But the the program that you're talking about is, I think, good for any individual. Uh, doesn't You don't even have to have poor health. This is really about creating health. And um, okay. you mentioned about your, your 
program being more plant-based and you and it's called WFPB and it must mean whole foods plant-based is that is that what it stands for that's right it's a whole food plant-based diet great great uh you know in my practice i deal with a lot of food allergies and i know you recommend whole grains so in my practice though there's specific grains especially grass grass grains such as wheat rye barley oats kamut spelt we do definitely find that those can be inflammatory. Uh, some people are truly allergic or definitely intolerant to it. How about you? Where do you stand on that? Well, clearly, you know, there is you know, celiac disease exists and that is the, the allergy towards all forms of gluten. So in those cases, all of those, you know, gluten grasses that you've referred to, those wheat-based grasses and grains should be, should be avoided. I think it's really interesting. And we've seen a huge grow, you know, a, a growth in the intolerance of gluten. But here's something that, that we've noticed, certainly people that have come to our program, that um, it depends on how whole that grain is. So, um, if there are some people that have intolerances to to a to a pasta, but when they go into um, eating a a full kind of barley that is not processed as much, don't have those same discomforts. Um, and so I think it depends. I think it depends on the individual. Um, but I think if you stay in the high quality whole grain and then you still have a disturbance and intolerance, then absolutely they should be avoided. But Often we found that um, the more refined a grain can be, it's actually that that's provoking the intolerance, and so many of those disturbances go away with a with a truly whole with truly whole grains in your diet. Mm. Yeah, some of my patients, you know, they do really well for like let's say two months without the grain, and once we rebuild their microbiome and and seal up their um, leaky gut, then it doesn't bother them anymore. And there are some grains, there are ancient grains that they can, people can have, like the ones from Italy, actually. <laughs> I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, Nadia, but some people do much better with grains from um, Europe rather than the grains here, because the grains here, if you're not eating organic, even the organic, you're going to be exposed to what's called glyphosate. And I'm sure you know what that is. It's it's from GMO grains yeah. and um, contamination of of glyphosate yeah. into the organic that creates a problem. Yeah. The the factor about the grains I'm talking about the digestion intolerance. It's because there's a lot of carbs, sugars called fructans that are in grains that can be more aggravating. If you've got hidden, let's say SIBO, you know when you've got an overgrowth of gut. Yeah. Uh, but um, if you're on a plant-based diet, you're gonna you're gonna control that a lot better, I'm sure, over time. Totally, absolutely. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think the the GMO. I mean, Europe has always been more stringent in their regulations than we've been in the U.S. in terms of you know, agriculture. And I couldn't agree with you more that that GMO. I mean, I. I I don't know exactly what it is about it, but um, that it is a huge factor in causing the inflammation in the gut. What's been fascinating is we've collected, so we've taken, as you said earlier, people come to a whole food plant-based diet for a variety of reasons. Yes, you know, we can talk about the, the reversal of chronic disease. Many people come just to feel better, have more energy. And now, you know, I think we'll be, you know, we're at the cusp of this, you know, documentary that's coming out about the game changes. We're seeing ultra athletes that are, that are coming to, to a plant-based diet to increase their, 
their performance. So one of the things that we've been really interested in is that what actually happens, what's driving this change? And we've collected blood, what we've collected clinical markers. And also we've looked at the microbiome. We've done biome tests beginning and end of this 28-day period. And it's amazing the change that takes place in the microbiome in 28 days. So I completely agree with you, that whole kind of let's reset the gut, let's reform the, get the correct balance of the bacteria, let's reduce the inflammatory bacteria, and then you can start to rebuild and have, you know, a proper um, diverse diet that is inclusive of all of the macronutrients, carbohydrates, um, protein and fat, as long as we're staying on those in a high quality end. So whole grain, complex carbohydrates rather than the simple refined carbohydrates. Mm, right. You know, um, in my, my book, The Mighty Mito, I talk about mitochondria health. And one of the factors that as we age, we have trouble with, uh, whether you are a regular um, paleo or or even plant-based, either way, you reduce the ability to extract amino acids from your food. It's just the nature of as we age. And that has a huge effect on, on your ability to produce energy by your mitochondria. So what I found was that by adding amino acids, these are vegan amino acids. So I've, I have a lot of plant-based patients and um, sometimes I'm, I'm plant-based. I do, depending on what feels good for me. And if I feel like I need a little bit more animal protein, I have it. But majority of my food is plant-based. But if I take amino acids, it makes a huge difference in my athletic performance, in my brain clarity, in my mood, in my sleep. I'd like you to share your take and you've done a lot of studies with your athletes and and clients what have you found in a on a plant-based diet uh regarding the amino acid or, or protein myth or lack of protein myth yeah well um it's well we've we've discovered so many things so um number one is it's very important that we get um the right amount of, of protein, which then leads us to the question of, well, what is the right amount of protein? And I love the fact that you talk about, you know, as, as, as we get older, the inability to, to, you know, draw those amino acids, because I think it is a reality as we age, um, we lose muscle mass naturally. And so how, you know, it's very important for us to keep that up in order to increase, to, to keep our metabolism, you know, strong and not slow it down so much, especially as we get into kind of, you know, the menopause years. And it's been fascinating in this period, really for over the last year, we've been working with some really elite athletes and taking them from that typical kind of, I have to have a protein shake after every workout meal, I'm eating a lot of meat into a whole food plant-based world where um, you're still taking protein, but you're taking protein in a different form. You're taking it from beans and legumes and um, depending on your level of activity, you might want to supplement with a pea protein and in order to, you know, to keep up the amount of, 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 of protein that's necessary in the body. Um, but there's been a, a real kind of uncovering of the amount of protein that we're consuming and, and, and generally the consumption of protein in this country is largely animal based is way beyond is two or three times more than what our body actually needs. So we're living in this world of can't get enough protein, the more the better. 
But that's actually um, not so health supportive once we get into too much protein because it puts stress on our kidneys. Um, and so what we've seen with, with um, athletes that were initially a little scared of going into a plant-based diet is number one, we've seen, we've seen a reduction in weight over the first 28 days, which is associated with a whole food plant-based diet if you have, you know, a little bit of weight to lose. But what we've seen is that weight's been coming from um, the the fat composition rather than muscle mass um, depletion. So, for example, we had a head, um, the head trainer at Chelsea Piers in Brooklyn, very, very fit guy. He's 6'2". He's always weighed about 190 pounds. That's been his weight over the last 10 years had 15.6% fat percentage fat composition, which is very low, he's very lean, and he had 95 pounds of muscle muscle mass in his in-body. He went plant-based. Um, within three weeks, he dropped 11 pounds, which he hadn't, he kind of just reset onto a different level, and he, we took an in-body again, and his his fat composition had dropped to 10.6%, but his muscle mass remained unchanged at 94, 95%. And the big learning we he had in going into a whole food plant-based diet was just the timing of the meals because previously prior to a really big workout, he was eating an hour, an hour and a half in advance. And when he switched to our, to our, to our, our program, he was still maintaining that. And then he got to, at the beginning, he got to the workout, he said, I don't have as much energy. And then what he figured out is he was eating um he didn't need an hour and a half to digest that meal. And so if he moved the meal to 45 minutes before the workout, he had all the energy in the world to power himself through that workout. And a kind of, you know, with that slow release of energy going forward. So um, it's amazing how we've seen um, athletes that are able to enhance their, that's why we call it plant power, enhance their, their, uh, their athletic performance. And furthermore, increase or decrease the the recovery time which means that they can be training harder and longer because a plant-based diet um, reduces inflammation and as we know when you're working out your muscles you're inflaming your muscles so the recovery of those muscles is faster they build back faster and so you can get into working out again uh, with less recovery time and for longer workouts so it's been amazing for some athletes and this documentary coming out called the game changes is going to be talking a lot about that Oh, that sounds so exciting about the documentary. I can't wait to see it. Uh, you mentioned earlier regarding legumes and beans, and there's definitely schools of thought from other uh, some medical doctors that says that there's too many lectins in beans and legumes that uh, can cause more inflammatory reaction in the gut. Uh, what's your, your take on that? And how do we manage <laughs> the gas and bloating that people can have when they start eating beans and legumes? Yeah. Well, a couple of things. The lectins, you want to have to, you have to soak the beans. So once you soak the beans, um, that disturbance, the, the, the lectins do not, are not activated in the same way. So it's very important that, that beans get soaked and, and I mean, I don't know, but who would cook a, you know, you're not going to eat raw beans or undercooked beans. And they have to be cooked the correct way. So that certainly is, um, you know, it solves, solves that problem. Um, you know, the bloating and the gas, um, uh, can be a manifestation. Here's what happens. So if you're used to a diet that doesn't have a lot of fiber, um, going into a high fiber diet, when typically beans are a part of that, beans and legumes, that can, that can at times produce too much fiber overload and can cause discomfort. It can cause bloating. Um, 
but and it can cause gas. And so I would say about about I want to say it's about 10% of the people that go through this program, which really is a, you know, an, a, a tripling, trebling of, of, of fiber intake, um, have that kind of bloating. And I always say to them, like, if it doesn't hurt, you know, does it hurt? Because clearly if it hurts, you have to scale it back. But if it doesn't hurt what you see, and you have to drink a lot of water, um, and we'll come back to that because that's super important, um, but the, the bloating subsides within a week or so, and then you know, people feel, feel great and much better. The gas, again, can be a part of that. What normally happens, and this is getting a little maybe TMI, but the gas normally associated with a whole food plant-based diet it's not smelly. I mean, if you think about kind of rotting plants, they don't they don't smell in, in 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 a way like rotting meat will smell putrid. And so often, if you do have gas, it's it's not really even that embarrassing because it just doesn't even smell. I mean, it can be obviously there are moments when it can be a bit embarrassing. Um, but a huge important part, and I think this is often a transition that people experience and they're not aware of it, is you have to drink a lot more water because because the fiber that you're now taking in is both soluble and insoluble fiber. And as you know, soluble fiber acts as a sponge and insoluble acts as almost like a scrubber that's going through your intestines. And so as it's going through, um, it's absorbing water. And so often people say, well, I've got a headache. I don't feel good. And they're actually dehydration because there's two things going as well. And on top of that, the, the, the fiber that is absorbing the water, when you're keeping insulin low, which you do on a whole food plant-based diet, because again, you're putting aside those simple carbohydrates, the sugar and the refined grains, and you've got the slow release of energy dampened by fiber, you've got this steady stream. You're not spiking your insulin, which means you're not storing as fat. And the weight loss that's experienced comes from that insulin that's kept low, and so the release of the storage of that energy. And those, um, those, you know, that energy is stored in the white adipose tissues. It's stored as fat cells alongside the water cells. So what you've got going on is the release of that and releasing of more waters. And that's essentially our kind of body detoxicating from the inside out, which then leads to the weight loss. And so it's so important that people, when they're up their fiber and they start eating beans, that they drink two to three times as much as they were drinking before. Mm, such a great point. Uh, I, with my patients, I share with them that I'm, I, I don't believe that beans are a bad food at all. I love beans yeah. and I've been eating beans for, gosh, my, pretty much my whole life coming from Korea. But one of the things that I think that has helped with digestion of beans is the fact that I've been eating and I tell my patients to eat more kimchi and that fermented food with a high level of rich probiotics actually is pre-digests and helps you digest the, the, uh, the beans and the fermented, fermentable carbohydrates that are in beans. And you're absolutely right. It does not have an odor. More odorous are proteins coming from animal protein because animal protein has high levels of sulfur, methionine, and cysteine in the food. So then if you've got stronger odor and you're producing hydrogen sulfide gas, it's usually because you're, you're not able to digest your proteins properly. So that's actually a sign that tells you, oh, I might have to take enzymes. I'm going to have to cut back on my protein because in my animal protein, because there's more gas production. And, and then the, your, uh, the soaking is true. You know, I go to Mexico a lot and I was, I'm really naughty. I'm really surprised that the beans, when I have their beans, they usually have, um, the refried beans there. I don't have any trouble with that. And it's the way they soak it. 
I, I don't know, they might soak it more than we do out here, but they definitely soak it for long periods of time. I couldn't agree with you more. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm Italian. And so beans have always been a big part of our, of the Mediterranean diet. Um, you know, it's been largely, you know, it's, it's vegetables. You have beans, you have pasta fagioli and all these things. So, you know, if we look at, um, indigenous diets, whether it's the Korean diet or the Italian diet or the Mexican diet, it actually all originated from a high plant-based diet um you know meat was a was a treat right it was a once a week or the fish it was but the main staple was being you know vegetables and and carbohydrates you know unfortunately we're living in this world where we've you know vilified carbohydrates it's not the carbohydrates of the, the enemy it's what we do to them that then you know causes us causes us the distress that we were discussing earlier i couldn't agree with you more and if you look at all of the genesis of how we used to eat. It was a bean, lentil, um, you know, rice-heavy diet, a very simple diet that actually served us very, very well. Right. Oh, gosh, Nadia, when I went to Korea for the first time after I left when I was 12, I went back with my family for a vacation when I was 50 years old. So 38 years later, I go back and I'm absolutely floored about the amount of sugar and carbohydrates Korean people ate. I was actually like... What is going on? These people must be super, super sick. Well, I did some of the research and found out that Koreans, although they ate a lot of sugar and carbs, there was one thing that they ate differently and that they added to every one of their meals, including with pizzas and burgers. Not only they ate fermented food, kimchi, with every meal. And yeah. what that meant was that the pre, the probiotic rich food they were eating yeah. was helping them break down the carbs. So if you've got a really robust um, microbiome. If you've got strong, healthy um, bacterias and even fungi in your gut that will break down the, the vegetation and plant-based foods, you're not going to have the problems that modern modern illnesses are occurring in most of you know our world now. So what your suggestion is really to help balance out the microbiome. Be, and that's the big game changer, like the movie yeah. that you guys are making. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, again, I, I just couldn't agree with you more. You know, kimchi is fabulous. And what we're really advocating when you asked me at the beginning, you know, what was my kind of catalyst, my journey is how do we get people to go back to eating real food? Right. Because, you know, we we're busy, you know, we're busy, we're running around and food has become more of a convenience for us. And um, there is still the desire for it must taste good, but our taste buds on the whole, and clearly I'm generalizing here, but have been corrupted in, you know, what equates to tasting good now, it means it's kind of sweet. It's got a sweet aftertaste. I mean, I moved to this country 12 years ago. And as I said, I'm Italian mom, and I was a bit late in having my first children. Um, and it was actually, they were two and four when my mother-in-law got diagnosed. And, and they were saying, Mommy, I want chicken nuggets and hot dogs and the probiotic smoothie that tastes, that has eight teaspoons of sugar in it. There's, mm. there's kind of sugar in everywhere. So we've been, our palate has been, uh, uh, has been adulted. And what I'm hoping to do is that how do we make it easy? How do we make the transition to going back to eating real food? Like our kind of, 
grandparents used to eat before all of the modern kind of convenience food came in and just changed our desire for food, you know, redefined food, right? Because right. it's just different to what we used to eat and, you know, what you experienced going back to Korea. You know, it's like right. we didn't used to eat this. We didn't used to have sodas everywhere. You know, you'd have a little bit of dessert every now and again. And and, and the numbers speak for themselves. And if you look at levels of cancer, so a question we're often asked is because we do use a little bit of soy. We're very particular on our soy. It's organic. It's really high quality if we're using any soy. Most of our protein is coming from the beans, as we were discussing. So a big question I'm asked is, does soy give you cancer? And, you know, I'm a breast cancer survivor. I shouldn't have any soy. But in Japan, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's similar in Korea as well, they have one of the highest levels of soy consumption per capita in the world. And up until 30 years ago, in Japan, had the lowest incidence of breast cancer in the world. And so it was, it's not the soy driving the breast cancer. And what we've seen now in the last 30 years is a complete change in the cancer rates in Japan, and I'm assuming the career is very similar, a complete change where which mimics, which, you know, correlates, I should say, with the introduction into the more Western diet. So more sugar, more refined grains, more processed foods. That's right. That's right. And of course, you know, when you have those foods and the environmental toxicity, it all contributes to the epigenetic change and turns on the breast cancer, um, cancers specifically. The cellular changes occur because of that. We all know that when it comes to breast cancer, you're going to find a great deal of chemicals and toxins in that breast tissue. It's, it's in the science. Yeah. So it's not just yeah. about soy. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I find that it's always very helpful for women as they age too, because it is a phytoestrogen um, in the That's natural right. way, as in like it really does ease uh, any forms of the the menopausal symptoms. I do want to comment that what's really exciting is that at Plantable, you you actually have um, product food foods that you've made delicious that is actually you can buy. Is it frozen food? Um, is a frozen plant-based food. Tell me a little bit about that before we're done. Yeah, so it is, um, yes, we make it fresh and then we freeze it. So we make, you know, fully prepared meals um, and we, we freeze it. And then each week a client receives six lunches and six dinners. So the the theory behind that is twofold. One, we want to make it easy and um Convenient and delicious, right? Because if I'm asking you to make a change, it's overwhelming. And people are, oh, but I don't have time to shop and shop and I don't even know where to start. How on earth do I cook quinoa? And so we're basically saying, look, we've got your back for 28 days. We're giving you the lunch. We're giving you the dinner. You're, we're going to help you work out breakfast. Um, your lunch, you take it to work, do what you want. It's ready. You heat it in two minutes. And the dinner, I've done the heavy lifting for you. Add a fresh side salad and that's, you know, then you've got your dinner covered. So, so that's what we're doing on, on the meal side. Well, and then combined with that, that is so an education great. platform and coaching because often people struggle. It's back to the dependency. It's 10 o'clock at night and actually they're used to going to the fridge and it's the haagen that's calling or it's the mozzarella sticks because it's a habit that they formed. So it's, it's similar to, you know, when you've got a little baby, you have to kind of feed the baby enough during the day to make sure that they get to you know, 10 o'clock at night. They can try sleeping through the night. They're not going to wake up hungry. That's what we're doing with food. We're giving people delicious nutrient-dense meals during the day so they're not actually hungry, you know, biochemically hungry. We're increasing leptin, the satiety hormone. We're, de we're decreasing ghrelin, the hunger hormone. We're keeping insulin low. So you're not 
peaking and crashing every two hours and your brain's not saying, I'm hungry, I want a snack. So that's why we brought in the meals to make sure, A, it's easy, but also people are nutritionally fed and that way it's going to be easier to change habits. Mm. Thank you, Nadi. Thanks so much for joining us on Wellness for Life. Such great super information on plant-based diets. Diets. Nadia Pinavaya from Plantable. Take a look at her website. And then, of course, do share the show with anyone who's thinking about going going all out on plants, you know, they will clearly get a jump start in the right direction. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe and leave us a review to connect with me on Instagram at Dr. Suzanne. If you need any help with health issues, I work with people globally through phone and Skype consultations. My contact info is available on my website, drsuzanne.com. Until next time, go out there and live your best life today, full of energy, enthusiasm, and ultimate health and wellness. This is Dr. Suzanne sharing natural strategies on the Wellness for Life show, right here on Radio MD. Stay well.